This is Rotten or Righteous News, and today... I gave those crackers some pot to smoke. Hello and welcome back to Rotten Righteous News Network, giving you nearly new news that nobody needs to know. This week, due to the passing of Queen Elizabeth, and out of respect for the royal family, our podcast will be flying at half-mast. With me today, as always, is my co-anchor, Scott Judge, and me, well, I'm Zach Geiler. Are you going to make it, Scott? (laughs) I I I heard your words, but I didn't hear half mast. Well, I heard something. Else. Whether you heard half mast or what Scott heard, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's, it's yes. I'm sorry. I was like, I All knew right, that was. I'm a, pulling I, it together. I knew that it was a pretty clever joke. I just didn't think it was going to get that to you. You know the, the well, ridiculousness you know, of when you're old, you can't. You're old, you can't hear. I'm like, wow, he's he's come out just flying with the truth today. Right. This week's news story, first news story, I should say, comes to us from CBC, which I assume is Canadian broadcast crap, but uh, it comes out of British Columbia from February seventh, two thousand and twenty-one. More than a dozen feet and shoes have washed up on British Columbian beaches, and one case remains unsolved. Just one? Investigators still don't know whose feet were in a pair of New Balance sneakers on the beach in 2016. (laughs) So how how many were there? They just said more than a dozen feet have just appeared five years ago. A grisly discovery was made on botanical beach on Vancouver Island, British Columbia, two blue and black new balance sneakers with size 12 feet inside of them. Be really odd if they had like size six feet inside of a size 12 shoe. That would be like, why is this person not only where, where is this person? Yeah. That doesn't have the feet, but why is he wearing shoes that are twice as big? I mean, it, it would be at that point that it, it would seem weird. Right. This is just totally normal. This is another day in Canada. <laughs> but if size six were in size 12, we got something. Right. It was the latest in a string of cases in which disarticulated feet in shoes were found washed up on beaches around the province but it remains the only unsolved case. Since 2007, the British Columbian Coroner's Service has solved 13 mysteries involving feet found in shoes. Or where else are you going to find feet, if not in shoes? In some flip-flops. Those are shoes, Scott. Those are technically shoes. I'm literally on the edge of my seat right now. Laura Yazidjian, a coroner, that is coroner, not a coroner. She, she's not. 
She's, she's not two lines converging at a right angle, but a coroner, someone who deals with the dead. Okay, okay. With the service who specializes in identifying remains, is hopeful the clues will emerge that will solve the last case. Quote, you really just never know what it is that's going to jog someone's memory and help solve these cases, she said. I assume that if someone came up to me and said, hey, we found a pair of feet, and then I said, you know what's funny? Is five minutes ago, I just saw a man who was looking for his feet. That would jog my memory. I mean, you would think. You would think. <laughs> this is so stupid. The mystery of feet. I mean, it is, but it's fascinating. The mystery of feet and shoes appearing up on British Columbian beaches grabbed the public's attention beginning in 2007 when a right foot in a sneaker washed up on the beach on Jedediah Island. Over the next 11 years, more feet were discovered (laughs) in a steady progression as theories abounded that the remnants were the result of a plane crash or a boat crash or macabre foul play. But none of the cases solved by BC Coroner Services have involved any nefarious activity. Yes, Gian said. We've had no cases so far where the feet have been severed by mechanical of non-natural means, she said. Well, that's good. You just have a bunch of naturally severed feet washing up on your shore. It's a good thing. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. Most likely, the feet became... Huh. This, is a, this is a thought that you can have. As you're going to sleep tonight, dear listeners, most likely the feet have become separated from the rest of the remains as they decomposed. Instead of sinking, the shoe encased foot floats and is carried by ocean currents until it is broken apart or washed up onto a beach. As reports of these shoes and feet grabbed headlines, Yazegian said more people likely began having second thoughts about the shoes they may have otherwise dismissed as garbage on a beach. Quote, I'm pretty sure there's no unchecked shoe on the beaches of British Columbia now, she said, (laughs) about the influx of cases. I I don't know. If I'm in a place that's notorious for just random feet and shoes, I'm not going to look. Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) For all I know, that is a footless shoe that's sitting on the beach. I, I do not need those nightmares. It's great. Complicating matters further and concerning investigators are the multiple hoaxes in which someone has stuffed animal bones into a shoe and set it adrift. Because why not? I mean, you are in Canada. There's very little to do up there. Uh, Why not just shove some roadkill in a shoe? See what happens. I want to solve this case for you when you're done, by the way. That's great. The latest case involving a human foot was completed in 2019 for a foot discovered in 2018. There have been no new cases of disarticulated feet and shoes discovered on the beaches since then. In September of that year, a left foot was found inside of a blue sock and a light gray Nike running shoe. Yet Zeji and her <laughs> colleagues are able to determine the manufacture date of the shoes, which gives them an idea of when they were bought and worn. But the best determinant in solving these cases is if investigators can match DNA from the foot of that missing person. That shoe and foot matched information police had on a missing person report from 2018. The family of that missing person was contacted and provided samples of DNA, which matched the DNA samples from the foot. It's incredibly satisfying 
partly to solve the puzzle, because it's really a mystery, Yezegian said. Quote, also just to know that we were able to give a family and relatives an answer, and I assume a foot, that they've been waiting months for, or years, or even decades sometimes. Hey, we found out where your brother's at. Well, not really, but we know where his right foot is. You know, technically, you wouldn't have a foot in the grave. That's true. Oh, bad joke. Bad joke. If, do you, if you bury the foot, do you put it inside of a dress shoe? Like if it's in a sneaker, <sighs> would you take the foot out and put it in a dress shoe? I, I, think, I think out of respect, you would. Who knows? I mean, what, what do you think? I don't know. I, I don't care. The two shoes with feet inside that washed up on Botanical Beach at different times in February 2016 were later identified as coming from the same person. A man. They're big shoes, Yedzegian said. Still, it hasn't been enough to move the case forward. It's possible the person was never reported missing in British Columbia. Investigators have sent DNA samples from the feet to officials in Washington State in the event that the person went into the water around Port Angeles area and then drifted to the west coast of Vancouver Island. Hey, I'm gonna solve I'm gonna solve one case real quick. Great. It's Natalie it's Natalie Holloway. No, it's not. Somehow she has ended up in the Strait of Georgia. I I hundred percent do not think that that is even close to the truth. First of all, you're telling me that uh, Natalie Holloway had um a twelve or a size twelve man's foot. Yep. That's what you're you're going with? Yep. That Natalie Holloway, the eighteen year old who went missing in two thousand and five, had a <laughs> size twelve man's foot that washed up in Vancouver even though the last place she was uh-huh. seen was in Aruba in the Caribbean. Aruba. You're telling yes. me that this shoe somehow traveled down the horn of South America, up the West Coast, and then landed yes. on Vancou- in Vancouver. That's your... And I'll tell you why she got killed, too. Because she used to shove her size 12s in a size 8. And when her, when her boyfriend found out, he was grossly disappointed. So Natalie Holloway is dating a man with a foot fetish who killed her in Aruba, chopped her feet off, put them in a size 12 shoe that she didn't own because she would shove them into size 8s. So he went out and bought a size 12 pair of shoes, stuck her feet in them, tossed them into the ocean. They swam all the the way down the horn of South America and up the West Coast before landing in Vancouver. Gotta be honest. Sounds reasonable. You're an idiot. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like you're an idiot. Okay. Tell me that can't happen. It can't happen. <sighs> it can't. I told you it can't happen. Have you ever seen how water work? Water work? Have I ever seen you how, ever how water, seen work? water works? Yeah. It's, I've seen it. It swirls and gets high and low and waves and crashes and slurps and gurps and you never know where that water can hey, carry those feet. Interesting that the experts, though, only sent DNA samples to Washington State, so they weren't thinking. Yeah. You know what? I bet somebody on the East Coast, their foot got cut off, shoved into a shoe that they didn't own, floated around. No, both feet 
both feet washed up on shore at different times. So these shoes not only traveled around the Horn of South America and all the way up, but both of them did and washed up at separate times. It didn't happen. Scott, do you know what I hate worse than missing feet? I, I am afraid to ask. When a film goes to a film festival and they just they don't get the praise they deserve. Yeah, that's pretty tough, Zach. <laughs> Take this story, for example, from August 31st, 2022 from Variety. White noise opens Venice on a quiet note. Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, soak up muted standing ovation. The 2022 Venice Film Festival got off to a quieter start on Wednesday night with the premiere of White Noise, Noah Baumbach's Netflix-backed adaption of the Don DeLillo novel, which stars Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig, was met with a tepid 152nd standing ovation. I A tepid 152nd standing ovation. That's almost like two and a half minutes. Can you imagine? I mean, how rude are these people that they only stood up and smacked their hands together for two and a half minutes? It's rude. I tell you what, they're lucky their hands didn't fall off. It's downright rude. And wash up on some beach in the street of Georgia. That's all I wanted to talk about, about that story, is that Variety wrote that 152nd standing ovation was tepid. Well, I'm going to go ahead and ask, because I'm sure you have. What is the definition of tepid? I imagine it's like lukewarm. But because you are tepid, I will spew you out of my mouth. Yeah, that's what tepid means. You want me to look up the definition right now? Well, no, I'm, I got it. Yeah, look, tepid, according to the dictionary. Slightly warm. warm lukewarm. Or lukewarm, I was right. We're showing little enthusiasm. Yeah, but still, sp- how do you, you give one? How do you give two and a half second or two and a half minutes of standing ovation and that was a little enthusiasm? It's, it's lukewarm. I have not stood up and clapped for two and a half minutes for anything ever. With enthusiasm. And if I if I did, and someone said, Well, that was tepid, I would punch him in the face. I probably wouldn't because my hands yeah. would be sore. I just thought that was stupid. Lacking in Passion, force, or zest. Do you know what I hate worse than missing feet, feet lukewarm standing ovate and then lukewarm standing ovations? Afraid to ask again. When Big Brother starts controlling the thermostats. Okay. This story comes to us from September second, two thousand and twenty-two, from K I R O seven. And the headline reads, Denver Area Power Company takes over thermostats for thousands of customers. Ooh. A Colorado power company locked the smart thermostats of thousands of customers for the first time, citing an energy emergency. Xcel Energy, which serves 1.3 million electric companies in Colorado, started the AC Rewards Program six years ago. KUSA TV reported the program allows customers to receive rebates in exchange for allowing Excel to adjust their thermostats during the summer's hottest days to ease the electrical grid, according to television or to the television station. The rewards program has 22,000 members, and customers receive a $100 credit for enrolling in the program and an annual $25 rebate according to KMGH-TV. How stupid 
or twenty five or twenty two thousand people that thought, you know what, I don't want to control the climate of my house. So for twenty five dollars, I'm going to let the power company do it. There is no way you couldn't pay me any given amount of money to let someone do that. Now, if they said we're going to cut off, it wouldn't happen. If they said they would take care of fifty percent of my electric bill every month, sure, do what you want. Twenty-five dollars. I still don't uh, know, sir. Do it. When temperatures in Denver or in the Denver area climbed into the nineties on Tuesday, residents attempted to lower their thermostats to cool off. Many found they were unable to do so. I mean, it was ninety out, and it was right during the peak period. Tony Tallarico of Arvada told KMGH, "It was hot." Tallarico said, "He saw the message hot. on his thermostat." stating that the temperature was locked. Normally, when we see a message like that, we're able to override it, Tallarico told the television station. In this case, we weren't. So our thermostat was locked in at 78 or 79. Some XL customers complained that their thermostats were also locked, adding that the temperatures in their homes soared as high as 88 degrees. Emmett Romine, XL's vice president of customer solutions and innovations, should have been fired but instead stressed that people in the program did so voluntarily. Quote, let's remember that this is something that customers chose to be a part of based on the incentives, Romine told KMGH. We gave them $25. We should be able to give them heat stroke. (laughs) This is a horrible idea. On its website, Excel said that control events... When the company makes adjustments to the thermostats of participating customers, can happen any time during the summer. Customers can opt out of control events at any time, according to KUSA. However, there are rare occasions when system emergencies trigger an event that cannot be overridden. Tuesday was one of those days, according to Excel. Remind said the emergency or the energy emergency was due to an unexpected outage in Pueblo, combined with hot weather and extensive air conditioner usage. KMGH reported. Residents like Tallarico were not appeased. Quote, to me, an emergency means there is, you know, life, limb, or, you know, some other danger out there. Some, you know, massive wildfires, Tallarico told the television station. (laughs) Quote, even if it's a once in a blue moon situation, it just doesn't sit right with us to not be able to control our own thermostat in our house. I hope Tellerico spent that $25 on something important. Moron. Yeah. Why would you why, <laughs> why would you do that? Because people are dumb. I mean, you got to know. You got to know. Oh, this is something I put down just for you, Scott. Okay. Did you hear about this story from August 25th, 2016? <laughs> This is your nearly new news that you don't need to know. I didn't realize the story was that old. (laughs) Uh, August 15th? August 25th from 2016. You know, just right. Just a few days, months ago. Um, Yeah, this is from... You know where we were then? In preaching school. No, we weren't. Yeah. We graduate? No. no, we were you'd, still. You'd start. You had started a canal, and I was just about ready to get my diploma, <laughs> or something like that. Um, or my my certificate of achievement. I can't believe you didn't hear this story because I've thought if anybody would be on the ball about this, it would be you. This is a, a story well, I, I, by Helen Jung from Esquire. 
And the headline uh-huh. reads, KFC accidentally revealed the top secret recipe for its fried chicken. Oh, no. Well, I mean, Scott, it hadn't changed much. It's been seven years, and nothing's happened, so. Hmm. You know the hot... Hmm. You know the hot shame you feel when you want to say something mean about one friend to your other friend and actually and accidentally text, quote, Nancy's being such a troll, end quote, to the person you're talking bad things about, but once it's out of the box, you can never put it back in? That's a little bit of how Joe Lettington, nephew of Colonel Harlan Sanders, must be feeling right now. Lettington's oh uncle is the colonel. As in, the guy who came up with with KFC's original fried chicken recipe. You might call it marketing, but KFC has made a real thing out of how guarded a secret recipe is. Even going as far as to sue a couple that claimed to have found a handwritten copy of the recipe. Lettington, 67, met with Chicago Tribune writer Jay Jones at the Harlan Sanders Cafe and Museum in Corbin, Kentucky, to talk about the newly restored restaurant there. Lettington brought along a family scrapbook and went through the pages reminiscing about his uncle. Then he got to the last will and testament of his aunt, which is when expletive deleted got really crazy. Jones spotted handwriting on the back page of the will, and it seemed to list a recipe. He asked Lettington if this could be the recipe. Quote, that is the eleven, or, or that is the original eleven herbs and spices that were supposed to be so secretive. Lettington said he would later backpedal later. Here's how the recipe read on the document: eleven spices mixed with two cups of white flour, two thirds table or teaspoon salt, one half teaspoon th- thyme, one half teaspoon or tablespoon basil, one third tablespoon oregano. One tablespoon celery salt, one tablespoon black pepper, one tablespoon dried mustard, one tablespoon paprika, two tablespoons garlic salt, one tablespoon ground ginger, and three tablespoons white pepper. Jones followed up with Yum Brands, KFC's parent company, to check on the veracity of this recipe. They didn't confirm or deny, only saying, quote, lots of people through the years have claimed to discover or figure out the secret recipe, but no one's ever been right. Hmm. Okay. A spokesperson then told the New York Times, Many people have made these claims over the years, and no one has been accurate. This one isn't either. Of course, the Tribune Test Kitchen tried the recipe and compared it with the real thing. How was it? Well, really good. In fact, tasters agreed the Test Kitchen's fried chicken was even better than the Colonel's. Wrote Joe Gray, And when the Test Chicken... Our kitchen added some MSG to that blend of 11 herbs and spices. They had an identical match on their hands, which I guess means. <laughs> oh, that's what it's... <laughs> which I guess means. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That the handwritten recipe on Lettington's aunt's will isn't, quote, accurate, but it's pretty much there. So try it for yourself or. Do what I do, or I would do, and hit the drive-thru for some KFC fried chicken. It's way easier. <laughs> With added some MSG. I mean, it is American fast funny. food. America. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, this is my personal favorite news story from the last couple of weeks. This is from September 9th, 2022. 
from Fox News. The headline reads, Maine family missing since June found safe. No evidence of criminal behavior, police say. <laughs> so what, went on vacation and didn't tell anybody? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's exactly what happened. They went on vacation and everybody freaked out. <laughs> Tonight at 6 o'clock on your local news, missing family found. A missing Maine woman and her ex-boyfriend and their two-year-old daughter have been found safe weeks after they disappeared during a family trip, authorities said Friday. The Sanford Police Department said it had spoken with Nicholas Hansen, Jill Sidebotham, and Lydia Hansen via the phone and video chat. The three vanished after setting off on June 27th for a three-day camping trip. The Sanford Police Department can report that each party is unharmed and safe, with no evidence of criminal behavior that has been observed. Police said in a Facebook post, quote, We also had verification that they were safe from local law enforcement who met with them in person. During the search for the trio, investigators looked into several leads that they were cited on June 29th and July 2nd at a Walmart in Mexico, Maine, about 100 miles from Sidebotham's home in Sanford. The Maine Warden Service led two aerial searches around Mexico and Rangeli for the family. Despite reports that Hansen may have been abusive, police have no evidence that Sidebotham was in distress and say she went on the trip voluntarily, Fox News Digital reported in July. Hansen's state criminal record contained no violent convictions. Images released by the authorities at the time showed the three entering the store at Coos Canyon Campground on June 29th. In different screen grabs from surveillance video, both parents could be seen carrying Lydia, the little girl. Sidebotham's family told the Boston Globe in July that Hansen asked her to go on an impromptu trip on June 27th. Her parents advised her not to accept Hansen's invitation to go camping. The elder Sidebotham, who did not respond to Fox News Digital's inquiry, told several media outlets. I wonder why he didn't respond. Hey, you remember how you accused this man of beating your daughter and kidnapping her, yeah. even though he has no violent history and there's no evidence? <laughs> you know how you, you said that they disappeared and, and ran away? Can you tell us why? Yeah. Uh, no comment. No comment. The family went on vacation for three days and decided to do some more stuff for about a month and then come back. <laughs> Everyone freaked out about it. <laughs> I did know this one group of people one time that went on a boat tour. It was supposed to be three hours. They got lost and were going for years. Right. Yeah. I just, that that's just was my favorite story. It should have read yeah. family went on vacation. Parents freaked out. <laughs> just... Parents freaked out. Dad accused of horrific crimes. Hey, do you know what I hate more than unidentified amputated feet? And whatever our second news story Those was about. I don't. And thermostats that are controlled by the government and families freaking out after uh, their, their daughter goes on a vacation. It's kangaroos. No, Zach. Kangaroos? Kangaroos. Kangaroos. Because kangaroos Why? might just be the 
jerkiest animals on the planet. I'd like to see you fight a kangaroo. I don't want to fight a kangaroo. But this story comes to us from People Magazine from September 12th, 2022. And the headline reads, Kangaroo Kills Man, Locks Paramedics from Saving His Life in Australia's First Fatality in Nearly 100 Years. What? No, hold up. First fatality in nearly 100 years from I a ass- kangaroo? I assume. I assume that's what it means. I'm sure Australia's had people die say, in that country. There's a lot of people down there. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder their population's on the rise. I'm sorry, I digress. A kangaroo has killed a man in Australia after he tried to keep the animal as a pet. I didn't read that first line before right now. This is 100% this guy's fault. <laughs> I was like, the guy's oh, dead. I, I Zach's choked up beyond belief here. I, 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 <laughs> it was his pet. I can't believe this wild kangaroo killed this man. Oh, no, no. He was keeping him on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> the 77-year-old Western. You know, you know what would be cool, though? If the owner was like a small man and he could get like down in the kangaroo pouch and hop around through it with him. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. Uh, the 77-year-old Western Australian man had life-threatening injuries when emergency medical workers were called to help on Sunday, WA Today reports. Oh, quick question. Who called the, the kangaroo? Emergency? The kangaroo. That's what I'm thinking. When the ambulance arrived at the home, the kangaroo wouldn't let the responders reach the man, according to the outlet. Once on scene, police fatally shot the kangaroo after it proved to be a threat to paramedics. However, it was too late to save the man. Quote, It is believed that the man is being attacked by a kangaroo. (laughs) (laughs) That's Zach's drunken Australian accent, folks. He's been attacked by a kangaroo. Earlier in the day, <laughs> a Western Australian police force spokesperson said, according to the Australian Associated Press, authorities believe the man had the kangaroo's pet, police added. The victim's incident will now be sent to the coroner's office to confirm his cause of death. AAP reports. Wouldn't it be crazy if his cause of death was gunshot? <laughs> Like the kangaroo You're was talking like the kangaroo or the yeah the kangaroo the man. no the kangaroo was like oh man I'm so sick of being this dude's pet and he reaches down in his pouch and pulls out a handgun pow, and pow shoots him <laughs> this is a horrible story we're having way too much fun with the death of a man and his kangaroo listen if you're gonna die and you want my respect don't die in a hilarious way it's that simple. <laughs> I'd still like to see you box kangaroo. Officers also confirmed with WA Today that one of the victim's relatives is the individual who called the police and the paramedics from St. John uh, WA responded. Uh, so it wasn't the kangaroo that called. It was his relative. Quote, I can sleep better tonight now. Quote, the kangaroo was posing an ongoing threat to emergency responders and the attending officers were required to euthanize the kangaroo by firearm. The police spokeswoman person. <laughs> Is that what they're calling? We had to euthanize the kangaroo. Really? You freaking shot him 12 times. Had to euthanize him. Uh, No, I did not shoot the suspect. Uh, 
I euthanized, I euthanized, I euthanized him with uh, a bullet. <laughs> now I now picture that. This is what I'm picturing in my mind. Kangaroos over this guy's body. He's like, "You not gonna get him? Not today." And then the cop shows up. He's like, "I'm gonna euthanize you with these bullets." And he's like, "Oh, really?" And he pulls out his own gun, and they like just do like a Mexican standoff. And then another cop comes in from the side and euthanizes the kangaroo. Just pow, 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 euthanized. Uh, the kangaroo's like, oh, you got me. And then they were able to get to the man, but the man's already bled out. Oh. The Western Australia police force did not immediately respond to people's request for comment. Oh, good night. Now, as we all know, Queen Elizabeth died last week, which is why we didn't have a podcast. Uh, we were just too heartbroken about Her Majesty's death. I'm still, <clears throat> I'm still choked up about it. I mean, she was so young. She had a lot of of ruling ahead of her. But then this story came out, which just, oh man, it just made me mad. I'm still steaming about it, Scott. Still steaming about it can't wait to hear this is from fox news from september 13th 2022 fans complain that emmy awards snubbed queen elizabeth ii from in memoriam segment okay the emmy awards surprised viewers by apparently omitting queen elizabeth ii from its in memoriam segment on monday night did they did they surprise viewers? Because you're right. You know what? I get it. I get why they're upset. Because when I think Queen Elizabeth, I don't think queen. I don't think ruler. I don't think an old wrinkly lady sitting on a throne. I think someone who was just so important to the television actors <laughs> guild of America. She was a television actor first and foremost. Did you see her on CSI Miami where she played a drug smuggler? Oh, she was transient. It was it was beautiful. She was never tepid in any of her roles. Right. She she just went and attacked them and be like, I gave those crackers some pot to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> You got me, coppers! It's been a while since we've... But you'll never take me alive! Come and get me! It's been me. a while since we've had a, a cracker reference. So, yeah. um, Why would people expect Queen Elizabeth to be on the Emmy's memoriam section? She's not an actor. I mean, she's been on TV several times. I mean, one person even tweeted... They honored Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried, and Betty White, but not the Queen. Well, let me explain huh, to you why, why this happened. Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried, and Betty White were all... Okay, here's a secret, listeners. They were all actors. That's what they did. They went on television. The Queen got paid for being on a stamp and eating jelly pennies. That was a callback to the last episode. <laughs> Now, man, we ran out of time for this year's in memoriam section. That's a shame. Well, we remember all of the podcasters on this show that have died in the last year, but we would have got yelled at because we weren't going to include the queen. You know what? I, I'm offended because I wasn't included in the in memoriam. I have done just as much for television as the queen has. Probably more. That is to say nothing. 
Yes. Listen, our our silly show about feet and things, it didn't make your life better. It didn't. We know that. You know that. You're looking at the clock, realizing, wow, I'm one day closer to the, the, the dark abyss that will be my grave, where the worms shall feast upon my flesh until Gabriel's trumpet sounds in the east, and I pray that I make the cut into the great beyond. But you probably won't. Oh, Zach. You probably won't. <laughs> Good grief. <sighs> but your day could be worse. <laughs> what, what time did we start recording this? 9.30 this morning? But your day could be worse. Like, on this day, in September 15th, 2008, a fun little story that is told to us from Michael Farquhar's book, Bad Days in History, a gleefully grim chronicle of misfortune, mayhem, and misery for every day of the year. When it came to the executives working beneath him, there was little that escaped the attention of Lehman Brothers CEO Dick Fold, or, quote, Gorilla, as he was called because of his intimidating demeanor. He expected them to be so the best. His name was Gorilla Dick Fold? Yes. He expected them to be the best-dressed men and women on Wall Street, specified to which charities they would donate, spelled out where and with whom they would socialize, and even kept close tabs on the state of their marriages, which he insisted be happy ones. There was one thing the fastidious master seemed to miss while exercising nearly complete control over his people. And that was the looming financial crisis that would drive Lehman Brothers into ruin and help trigger the deepest recession in seven decades. Fold blithely ignored or denied the ominous signs that Lehman's subprime lending and leveraged loan practices, as well as its risky real estate ventures, had pushed the kingdom he ruled for 15 years to the brink of collapse. In the face of disaster, the cocksure CEO contemptuously dismissed a number of offers to buy Lehman assets that could have potentially saved the company. In the end, though, no amount of foolish bravado or cleverly disguised accounting could stave off the inevitable. On September 15, 2008, Lehman Brothers was forced into bankruptcy, the largest in American history, with $613 billion in debts outstanding. Quote, I feel like I want to throw up, Fold said at the time. I would too. If I realized that I had to file bankruptcy with $613 billion in debt, I'd probably feel like I want to throw up too. How in the world a sentiment you get to that place? A sentiment no doubt shared by the 26,000 Lehman employees who... After months of soothing reinsurances, or reassurances by their leader lost their jobs, their benefits, and their entire value of their company stock. Quote, There were people here who just a few weeks ago would go through hell for Dick Fold, a former Lehman executive told CNBC. That has changed. People want his head. As it turned out, they would have to settle for a punch in the face which one employee duly delivered to Fold when the bankruptcy was announced. 
<laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I bet you were wondering if that was going to be funny at the end, didn't you? You're like, this is, <laughs> this is just depressing. Bam! Right in the snucker. All, All right, right, man. Take care. This month, the one that watches newsletter. Nerd. <laughs>